Well, the indescribable gift is what we're looking at this morning, and I'm, I, I'm noting, and I've, I'm feeling quite good because I've had a look at a few different things that happen uh, at Christmas uh, around the world, and, and I've read some interesting stats. One of them is that one in three men wait until Christmas Eve to do their Christmas shopping. That makes me feel a little bit better. I just found some fun facts about Christmas. Another Another interesting fact about Christmas in Japan. Some of you, I'm not sure if you've been in Japan uh, for Christmas, but it's traditional in Japan to have KFC for Christmas lunch. I'm going to Japan, I'm telling you. Uh, That's because apparently in the 80s, they did this whole campaign about KFC for Christmas lunch. But if you want to have KFC for Christmas in Japan, you've got to order two months in advance because it's such a national pastime. There you go. Uh, For those of you, here's here's one for some of you who are not keen on putting up the Christmas lights and the Christmas decorations. They said in in 2012 in the States, 15,000 holiday decorating injuries occurred in November and December. One third of them happened uh, in preparing Christmas, Christmas events and Christmas trees. So if someone asks you to put up that Christmas tree, fellas... It's a little bit too dangerous. I'm sorry. I can't, can't hang the lights outside. I, I'm not sure if you need an excuse. That might help you. Uh, Paul McCartney, apparently his most disliked song that he ran, that he, he's written, is called Wonderful Christmas Time, and it's not that much disliked. It makes him $400,000 every Christmas in royalties. Oh, if only I could write songs. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, what else have we got? Bing Crosby, the number one of all selling time. I'm dreaming of a... You know it. I'm not going to sing it for you. That's just some little fun Christmas facts uh, as we, we're coming into, into Christmas time. And I hope you've got your stuff sorted. I hope you're on track. I hope you're rolling. Today we're talking about not the Christmas gift that's going under your Christmas tree, but the Christmas gift that I pray will come into your heart. And his name is Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. His indescribable gift, and of course he's, that gift is Jesus Christ. Uh, a story is told about a family who every Christmas would, on Christmas Eve, the tradition was that the mother and the children would go to a Christmas Eve service. It's a Northern Hemisphere story. And the father would stay home and he would read the paper in front of the fireplace, wait for his family to return home from church when they would all gather up their presents. The father wasn't an evil man, but he just couldn't believe in the childhood stories anymore of God coming as a baby in a manger. When the family led, uh, left for church, he opened up the newspaper and sat in, pla- in front of the fireplace reading. Suddenly, because it was freezing cold and snowing outside, he heard a tapping on the window. It was a bird flying against the glass of his window, trying to get out of the snow into the warmth of his home. The man had compassion on the bird and went outside, hoping to capture it and to bring it inside so that it wouldn't freeze overnight. As he approached the bird, the bird just flew against the window even harder. Pretty soon the bird flew off into the bushes uh, below the window, half frozen, yet too afraid to be captured by this huge man. The more the man tried to reach for the bird, the the more the bird flew frantically into the snow and the thorns of the bushes. After a few minutes in the cold, the man was freezing. You could see the birds just continuing to injure himself. He yelled out in frustration, you stupid bird, can't you understand that I'm just trying to help? 
The man paused and thought, if only you could understand what I'm saying and wouldn't fly away, it would be that much better for you. If only, if only I could become a bird and get you to understand. At that very moment, the church bells rang as they had on every hour. And in that moment, the man realized, God, I didn't understand, but you sent Jesus in a human form to communicate to me in a way that I would understand. This is the message of Christmas. Our loving Heavenly Father who created us, who loved us so much but sees the pain that we cause ourselves when we walk away from Him and don't live life His way, sending His Son to become one of us. God incarnate. It means He became a human being. God Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the indescribable gift. Last week I talked about three aspects of the gift of Jesus and who He is and what He can be if we let Him into our life. And the first is that He gives us life to the full. The second, a cleansed conscience. And the third, He helps us to live the life of purpose that we were created for. And today I want to talk about three more aspects of what it means to have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, walk into our life and what the indescribable gift of Christmas is all about. You see, there's so often a misconception about God and who He is. There's so often, for, for whatever reason, maybe it's upbringing, maybe it's television, maybe it's, maybe it's just misinformation, maybe it's a bad church experience, but for whatever reason, so many of us got a misconceived idea of what God is like. A small boy was writing a letter to God. It's Christmas time, and he's writing a list of the presents he so badly wants. And he began the letter. Dear God, I've been good for six months now. After a moment's reflection, he crossed out the six months and wrote three months. Then he paused and crossed out and wrote two weeks. Then he took another thought and he paused and he crossed that out too. And he got up from the table and he went into the lounge room where the nativity scene was. And he quickly grabbed the figure of Mary. Uh, there was Joseph and he grabbed the figure of Mary, wrapped him in a cloth, took, him back, took her back, put her in a drawer in, her, in, in his room. And he wrote the letter again. He said, dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, then you'll definitely give me these Christmas gifts. Dear God, the, the misconception that we so often have of God, the, the, the concept that God is looking at you and I right now through this prism of rules and laws and we just cannot seem to measure up. And therefore, He's angry at us. Therefore, He's cranky at us. I want to tell you today, I, I'd love you to get a new picture of God, if that's your image. And the picture is this, that He loves you that He's smiling over you, that He that he's cares about you. And the, the thing I want you to know first is that the first gift that Jesus brought to the world and He'll bring to our lives is complete love and acceptance just the way you are. See, the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. When you, if you want to know what God is like, don't, don't listen to the naysayers and don't write him off because of hypocrites, but look at the life of Jesus. I've loved uh, this year, I've watched a, a TV program. It's a 10-part series called The Chosen. I love you to watch it. It'd be a great Christmas watch. It's about the life of Jesus. It's on YouTube and it's, it's been a worldwide phenomenon. But I'd, I'd love you to watch it. The thing I love about it is it demonstrates, it shows Jesus smiling, interacting 
with a sense of humor, laughing and, and having fun and engaging with children. It shows Jesus in a way that maybe the black and white uh, pages of a Bible don't necessarily bring him alive. And I love that. See, many of us think of Jesus through the eyes of religion. And that's what happened when Jesus came, the religious people of the day. There were 613 laws of the Torah that a good Jewish leader, a Pharisee or priest would understand. And he was, he was all about those 613 laws and not breaking the laws because somehow cranky God had to be appeased by me obeying the laws and somehow earning his favor. But Jesus came and he just, he, he said, guys, it's not about the rules. See, religion says this, measure up and you'll be accepted. But Jesus says, I love you exactly the way that you are right now. I'm not waiting for you to dress to a certain standard. I'm not waiting for you to get your life together. I'm not waiting for you to be perfect. I love you just the way you are and I want to come into your world. God's love for you and I is the main story of Christmas. If there's one story of Christmas, it's this, that God's love for you exactly the way you are is phenomenal. It should be written across the newspapers and every website on the planet that God loves you and he loves me. That's the main story. In Jesus' day, there was a lot of people who were on the, out, on the outside of religion, and Jesus upset everybody by spending a priority of his time with those who were on the outside. He spent time with children. Women were dominated by men in that particular culture. And he engaged and talked with women and healed them and helped them. And they became part of his disciples. He went to religious outcasts, the Samaritans. He hung out with those who were, had physical defects that caused them to be isolated lepers. He hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes, demonstrating what the church should always be, a place of love and acceptance. Come as you are is the message of Christianity. Come as you are. Warts and all, problems and all, mistakes and all, dysfunction and all. Come as you are and let God's love pour into you and I. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says this, God showed how much he loved us. By sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. If I could find a way today to help you understand that God is for you and to erase all of the religious thoughts that have blocked up your mind towards God, I, I would do whatever I could to help you understand God loves you just the way you are. He knows your name. He knows your story. He knows your dreams. He knows your fears. He knows the things that cause you to panic. He knows everything about you and he loves you and he's wanting to come and bring his love and his peace that will transform us from the inside out. That's the first thing I want us to know of the indescribable gift is his complete love and acceptance. The next thing is this. God didn't come just to show us love. In fact, I've heard it said like this, that he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. 
That's got to be good news for us, right? He loves us too much to leave us in our pain, to leave us in our dysfunction, to leave us, uh, as Deidre said, with our fears and panic and worry. He loves us too much to leave us that way. I, I did a, a course in Sydney a number of years ago, and, and part of the, the week-long course called Express uh, was a morning boot camp with a trainer of all of the football teams, a, a lot of the elite teams down in Sydney. His name is the Sand Hill Warrior. He, he coached Parramatta, he coached Manly, a lot of Olympians. And we had a, an hour every morning with the Sand Hill Warrior. Apart from just feeling violently ill most mornings, uh, I remember one particular phrase of the warrior, and it was this, pain is just weakness leaving your body. I'm like, I had a lot of weakness just leaving my body, buddy. What are you doing to me? Pain is just, and I remember that every, every now and then when I'm, when I'm trying to get fit. Pain is just weakness leaving the body. We live in a society that's got a lot of pain, and now I'm not talking about physical pain. I'm talking about emotional pain. 2019 in Australia, there was over 3,300 suicide deaths. Two and a half thousand of those were men. The greatest killer of 18 to 44 year olds in Australia is suicide. It's a tragedy and it's a rising tragedy. For every one of those attempts, well, knowing there's around three and a half thousand last year, uh, there's at least 65,000 attempts of suicide for people who tried and weren't successful. Self-harm is on the rise, mental illness is on the rise, and we've become experts in our culture at projecting an image of having it all together, but underneath our mask, having a lot of pain on the inside. That pain can come from trauma, it can come from abuse, it can come from betrayal, it can come from loss, from grief, from sickness, from financial stress, from, from relationship breakdowns, and so often in our society, and particularly us guys, we're not that good at talking about our pain. We're not that good, at, and we actually think, well, we'll just deal with it. But the problem with the attitude of I'm just going to deal with my pain, my trauma, is that it just perpetuates pain. You're you're not wired to deal with your own pain. I'm not wired to deal with my own pain. One, we need each other. But two, we need someone outside of us who can help us. And Jesus came to help us be free of healing, be free of, of pain. He came to give us healing from pain. The problem with pain is that it, it doesn't just stop with me, but you may have heard this expression, hurt people, hurt people. So if I'm carrying pain and therefore it affects my relationships and those around my life, then I'm going to be a perpetuator of hurting other people. It's just the natural way that pain works. I can try and ignore it. I can try and deny it. I can complain about it. I can try and escape from it. I can get into addictive patterns to to squash and deal and escape from the pain. But ultimately, I have to do something about that pain. And that's what Jesus came to do. The Bible tells us he came to exchange our pain for his love and his joy. You may have heard of the, the man who came from the country to the shopping center for the very first time. 
And he saw this, these, these two double doors that would open and would close. And he looked at them with his, with his kids. And as uh, one just hopped in, an old lady hopped into these two double doors and the doors closed. And he waited and he, he stared. He's wondering what's going on. And then a, a few minutes later, they opened and this beautiful young lady hopped out. He'd never seen an elevator before. Very quickly, he said to his boys, quickly, go and get your mother. <laughs> oh, that's bad, isn't it? That's really bad. He's looking for a change, for transformation. I want to tell you today that Jesus doesn't work like that, but he does bring transformation to our heart. It's amazing to me as I watch and see the transform, transforming power that Jesus brings into people's lives. I've, I, I could introduce you to members of our church who, who are sitting here today or they're worshiping God in church and they were literally one day away from taking their own lives. But God, through his love and his kindness, intervened. One, one man who, who's in our service today was, was literally looking up on the internet how to put together a rope to take his own life when a member of our church began to engage in a conversation with him. And from that moment, a number of years ago, God's love began to invade his life. See, God wants to, to deal with our pain. He wants to help us. So I find some people, and you may have found this today, People come along and, and as you're worshiping and as worship fills your lounge room at home or when you're standing in God's presence in worship, so many people in their first encounters in church begin to weep. They're like, why am I crying? Dang, I'm, I, I know people like walk in and the, the music starts and they start to cry and they're like, I'm out of here. I don't cry. What's going on? Well, just as the warrior said, pain is weakness leaving the body, so often tears is a way that God washes the pain out of our soul and out of our heart. Pain that we're not aware of. Disappointment that we're carrying. Sometimes we're beyond tears. Our heart has got so hardened. But the problem with our hearts being hardened is we don't connect relationally. And Jesus came to take our pain away. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 says this, He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows. This is a prophecy about Jesus. He was acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and he looked the other way. He was, he was, uh, he was despised. We did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. Jesus Christ was acquainted with, with our grief he became one of us he knows what betrayal is like he knows what rejection is like he knows what it is to be misunderstood by those he came to help he knows what relationship breakdown looks like he knows what what abuse looks like Jesus has been through it all and now he sits in heaven as an advocate for you and I and one who can exchange our pain for his love the way it works and Again, this is, I love being a pastor. Like, I just, I love it. Because I watch a supernatural God pour his love into people's hearts. And I imagine it like this, that if, if I was to get a really dirty, filthy glass that had all this gunk and stuff in it, and I wanted, to, I wanted to get it clean, one of the ways you could do it is just continue to pour water in until that stuff floated to the surface, surface and washed out. And that's how I imagine that God brings healing. That's the picture I have of how God brings healing to our life. He pours in love. Now, he does that through his family, the church. 
He does that through his presence as we pray and as we talk to him. And so often as we pray, there's an exchange going on. God is taking away your pain and my pain and he's replacing it with his love and his acceptance. Number one, Jesus' gift is to give you love and acceptance. Number two, his great gift is to heal us from our, from our pain. And the third thing he comes to do is this. He comes to give us the power to change. He comes to give us the power to change. I, I, just, I read something recently that you'll like. Uh, a mother has identical twins. Okay, one's called Amal, one's Amal, and one's called Juan. But you go to her house, and there's only photos of Juan. There's no, there's no photos there. And you asked, we asked her, why is there just the photos of one of your identical twins? And she said, well, if you've seen Juan, you've seen Amal. Okay, thank you very much. Sorry, let's get back to it. Just, just dad jokes is one of my things. I'm here just to make sure you're still listening. Jesus gives us the power to change. He gives us the power to change. I know often what happens when, when people come to church for the first time. You look around and you go, what's, what's, what's with all these super nice people? I'm not super nice. What's with all, the, what's with all these? Or, or a friend of mine once said to me, have you played the straight guy all your life? He, he, he'd never been to church, but he was curious about Christianity. He goes, I, I couldn't quite do what you're doing. It's just too straight. It's too goody two-shoes. I, I couldn't align. Again, he had this, this idea that Christianity is about just suffering and not having any fun. But actually, that's not what God came to do. He came to give us life. And then in that comes the power to change. How does that work? How, how, does, how does a person, speaking of KFC a little bit earlier, the colonel actually became a Christian. He, was so, he had loads of money from the success of KFC. This is a true story. He had loads of money and he got so sick of, of what was going on on the inside of him and particularly he had a terrible problem with swearing or cussing as he called it. And so he went to church and he, and he went to a guy, the pastor, his last name was Rogers, and he, he sat down with the pastor and he said, oh, I, I need God's help, I can't change. And the pastor led him in a prayer, a little bit like a prayer that we're going to pray in a few moments. It's the opportunity to say, God, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you wipe me from my past, my past away? And would you change me? And he prayed this sinner's prayer. And as he prayed the sinner's prayer and asked God's forgiveness with tears in his eyes. God came and made him brand new on the inside. He was, he was spiritually born again. And from that day, supernaturally, he stopped swearing. Money couldn't do it. Success couldn't do it. Willpower couldn't do it. But he became a brand new creation when he invited God into his life. How does that work? How does this change? And again, I see it time and time again. I see people who, who, who were, were heading in one direction, made, made a prayer and said, God, forgive me. And their lives began to turn around, not because of willpower, but because of a spiritual rebirth. They became a new creation. How does that work? Well, I, I get a, a sense of it. That, uh, and there's some research around what's called cellular memory. Cellular, cellular memory is a study and it's a theory that cells in our organs carry the memories and appetites of our life. And so those who have studied uh, heart transplants and liver transplants and other transplants have found this phenomena that happens when people get a, a transplant. I'll tell you just two stories now. Amy Tippins was one. Uh, she had a liver transplant. 
And after the surgery, she was 17 years old, she developed cravings for hamburgers. She never used to like hamburgers, but now she had a craving for them. Suddenly, she acquired complex do-it-yourself hardware skills and a keen sense of civic duty. That's crazy, right? Suddenly, she's a 17-year-old with brilliant uh, um, do-it-yourself hardware skills. They went and found out what, who her donor was. Her donor was a U.S. marshal. He loved to work in, with his hands and do building projects at home. And his favorite food was hamburgers. What the heck? You got the new liver and you got these skills and these, these cravings and these changes. Another person, William Sheridan, had a heart transplant. Before his heart transplant, he wasn't good at drawing. But afterwards, he suddenly became an excellent artist. And they researched and found out that his donor was an enthusiastic and talented artist artist when they when he got a physical new heart or a physical liver there came new skills and Rod I'll get you to come with us as we bring this service to a close physical new heart new skills new appetite new craving Jesus said you must be born again the priest said how do I be born again how does that happen he said it's a spiritual thing you'll you'll become a new creation here's how change happens when we become a new creation, when we invite God into our life and He makes us brand new, suddenly I get the DNA that goes with my new spirit and it's Jesus. Suddenly I get new appetites. Suddenly I look at life different. Suddenly I, I have skills that I never knew that, that they're not in me, they're with God. It's the most amazing thing that when we invite Christ into our life, when we surrender to Him, the power to change begins to hit us. I want us to close our eyes in this service today. I, it would be my prayer. But if you're here today, you're watching online and you've never surrendered to God, you've never accepted His love, I'd love you to receive His love today just the way you are. But here's the thing. He loves you too much just to leave the way you are. He wants to bring healing into your life. And if you'll let God come in, then today He'll begin to change you from the inside out. He'll begin to transform you. He'll begin to heal you. He'll begin to lift the pain off you. And God, I'm praying for those online right now, those in this room right now who are carrying pain from broken relationships, pain from disappointment, the pain of anxiety and fear. I'm praying that today they would have the courage open up their hearts and receive you.